The moment you stepped foot off that plane, you inherited a land of centuries of sacrifices, of tears, of dreams, and of yearning. You're not running away from something, you're running to something. You're running to the homeland, you're running to come home. That's what it used to sound like when plane loads of new immigrants would touch down at the Ben-Gurion airport in Israel to begin their new lives as Israeli citizens. This past year, 45,000 Jewish people made Aliyah and immigrated to Israel. But since the Hamas attack of October 7th, immigration's been down sharply, as the country's in the middle of a war now. And so it's likely the whole big welcoming ceremony with dignitaries and flags likely won't happen on Wednesday when prominent Toronto Jewish community member Irving Matlow lands and becomes an official Israeli citizen. Although they probably should make a fuss because Irving Matlow is 96 years old. He's fulfilling a dream he's had since 1948 when he left Canada at the age of 21 to help defend the new state of Israel as a volunteer soldier serving with the IDF during the country's War of Independence. That was 75 years ago. Matlow's long retired, and he visits Israel every winter to see his daughter and grandkids who live there. He was supposed to make Aliyah three months ago, but the war interrupted the trip until his kids felt things were safer. I don't want to make a big timus as they said at her going. I'm doing it for myself. If it'll be an example for others, fine and dandy. You know, but it's something that I felt in the last maybe uh, year that uh, it's a last step maybe of identifying with something that you've identified all your whole life with. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Tuesday. January the 2nd, 2024. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropia. Well, it is the first CJN Daily podcast of the new calendar year, and it marks the start of a new chapter in Irving Matlow's life, just like it does for hundreds of other North Americans who've gone ahead and moved to Israel in the last few weeks, despite the ongoing war, or maybe actually because of it. Matlow's son David Matlow went with him to make sure the flight Tuesday night went smoothly and to get his father set up in the family's Jerusalem apartment. We'll speak with the Matlows coming up. Plus, you'll meet a slightly younger Canadian who's just immigrated, 27-year-old Montreal school teacher Laurence Ita, and the Appel family, Moshe and Leah, and two of their three kids. You'll remember them because the Appels used to run the only kosher bakery on Vancouver Island. First, we'll talk to Irving Matlow. It was just before he left Toronto, he joined me with his son David Matlow, who's the CJN's popular treasure trove contributor and Herzl expert. So welcome to the CJN Daily. It's an honor to see you again as we're talking, as you're getting ready to uh, make your trip to Israel. Long delayed because of the war. Uh, yes, well, that's a short delay. Maybe delayed for 90 years or not 90. From, from when, I, when I was first in Israel in 48, so that's 75 years. Um, I always maybe wanted to go back because my parents moved from Canada to to Israel in 1955. My grandfather, my grandfather and grandmother are buried there. My parents are buried there. So I haven't, uh, our home was maybe basically concerned with Israel and Jewish nationhood and Jewish independence and, and Hebrew. So, you know, but you know, your life takes you in a different direction for a while. But I figured, you know, I'm getting a little older. 
<laughs> so if I imlo if I don't get just for my own satisfaction, just to feel that I'm much more closely identified with the with the Jewish state, which was so very important in my family, I may have I would have missed out on something. You know, I always wanted to have. Uh, a place there. We were in Israel and for the whole family. Was there in 1970 for a whole year? I thought maybe we would move move then, but things happened, and then the kids get married and you have children and grandchildren. And, you know, so uh, we we did the best we could by having a place for 40 years and and uh, spending five five months of the winter in the last few years there till my wife passed away. So that, uh, you know, the attachment to the state of Israel and what it stands for, from a Jewish point of view, we're national Jews with the religion is important, but it's not our, my essential relationship to being Jewish, you know, but history and the language. So I'm, this is like a, for some satisfaction to to really link up with the whole idea of, of, the, of the, to use the term Herzlian kind of an outlook on what the Jewish future would be. But it's unfortunate to see that the beauty that one could have enjoyed in Israel has been replaced since October the, the 7th with a very tough situation and a tragic situation. I sometimes wonder if one could use the term that the person from South Africa wrote that book, Cry My Beloved Country, you know, that one. It's uh, It hurts to see so many people suffer, you know, not only the Jewish people, but that innocent people. Tell us a bit about who in Israel is. This. So your daughter is there, son-in-law, grandchildren, how many? Four granddaughters. One of them is married, and she's got two little boys. Did your family try to talk you out of move, making Aliyah? It's much more of a spiritual, and just maybe an official, because I've been spending six months pretty well in Israel anyways. And that's the only con- condition. Okay, there may be certain benefits, uh, maybe the health. But by the time that comes through, you know, I have my own health uh, policy. I don't, I, I'm very fortunate that uh, I don't need the help of the government. But it's, it's much more a sense of spiritual or satisfa- personal satisfaction. That uh, final link, you know, to the whole idea of a Jewish homeland, a Jewish state is to be a citizen. I think maybe they should open up anybody who would be a citizen. You could be a dual citizen just to have that sense that you're tied to the state a little more than just as a visitor. But Right, so that's what I want to ask you. What is your life going to look like? Is it going to be the same, like you're going to spend five, six months there and come back to Toronto? Or are you packing up your house here in Canada? No, 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 look at it. To be truthful, yeah, I can't really make plans. At 96, it's hard to make plans for the, for the future. I, we were, I was supposed to leave it with David in, in October, so I would spend five, six months. 
But now we're going in in January and going through New York. We thought we'd get on here and Air Canada take us like mentioned right in business class. So it's it's a trek a trek to go by in New York. But I have to thank my children. I have to thank David in particular because coming coming with me because I could never manage it myself. So I don't know. I don't know how my health will be there. I I don't know what the situation will be there. If anything, if it gets worse, maybe Jerusalem is also could be under attack from the Hezbollah. Supposedly have rockets that can reach Jerusalem. So I want to say, yom yom, you take day by day, hour by hour, and hopefully things will be all right. And you have a one-way ticket, or you have a return ticket? I have a return ticket in uh, for April the ninth. For Pesach. Yeah, for Pesach. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you get when you get to like you get on the plane, you get to Ben Gurion? What actually happens? Do we know what the sched procedure is? Well, now that's all left in the hands of very, very capable. Young man, I'll call him. Bring him on. David, come over. So tell me what the procedure is for how this works. Um, from what I understand, so we've been dealing with Nefesh Benefesh and the Jewish agency uh, who have been fantastic to accommodate my dad's dream to be an Israeli citizen. Uh, we arrive because we're coming from Newark at 6.45 in the morning in, in Tel Aviv. And I understand there'll be a person with the sign... Oh, uh, for my dad, for yeah. new immigrants, directing him to a new, uh, to a section of the, of the, I guess, arrival hall where his Aliyah visa will be processed. So there is uh, an Aliyah stamp and it gets actualized. The official uh, designation as an Israeli citizen will happen on arrival in the airport when they stamp his passport. Do they do something like, I don't know, party, champagne, what happens? I hope not. No, there's nothing planned. My father specifically said there should be no hoopla. There are lots of other important things going on in Israel, like the defense of the country, so not to distract pe- people from their important tasks. Uh, the Jewish agency was very accommodating. They understand this is a very special case. He was ready to go on October 10th. He essentially said, if it will show Israelis were not afraid, I'm going. But we were afraid. Um, and so we we negotiated to put it off until January second. So you're you're just hang on a second. So you're going with him. You always go anyway, usually. But do you not normally travel with him every year? This is something different, or you always go with well, him. Well, there's together? a whole file of things you have to bring a, a certified copy of your birth certificate and your wedding certificate, and a letter from Rabbi Wernick that confirms that my dad is Jewish. And three Israeli-sized passport pictures. There are some mechanics to look after on arrival. It's very well organized. Now, a lot of immigrants, they have to learn how to speak Hebrew. They have to go to Ulpan. How does that work for you? Oh, my Hebrew, my Hebrew is a Hebrew of uh, 60 years ago. And it's very difficult for me to understand. But from a reading point of view, except for the odd word, I'm... Uh, I'm quite competent in in uh, reading, and I can manage. I hope I will. It will be. Who I don't know what it'll be. Worse conditions, better conditions, whether it be peaceful in the offing. But look, and that's Israel. That's Jewish life. I think, and that we're maybe 
born into it. I have to take it the good and the bad. For their part, Moshe Appel and his wife Leah and their two kids are already set up nicely in their new Baca apartment. It's a suburb of Jerusalem. They arrived on December 11th after spending a few months in Montreal with family and before that running the My Way Bikery Bakery in Victoria, B.C., where Leah's Halnad pastries became everyone's favorite dessert last year. And we spoke just before they left Canada. Leah and Moshe Appel and who else was there with you? Raya and Avram. And you guys have been living in Victoria for quite some time because we caught up with you last year when you were in the middle of making... We we did... Uh, your last story on us was the history of the Halnut. And you're like days away from hopping mm-hmm. on a plane. Yes. You know, most people would say Israelis should come and move to North America because it's not safe. But you are North Americans moving to Israel. Um, for those who wonder, because a lot of people ask us, it took eight months to complete our all our paperwork. Mm-hmm. Um, our file was a bit more complicated because we have children. But, you know, a lot of people will tell you it's about a year or so. For anybody who's interested in, in making Aliyah, a lot of people ask us that question. But the timing between now and then, like, were you supposed to leave sooner and then there was issues that delayed you? Or is that the date always that you were supposed to go? We had tried to leave sooner. So when we applied for Aliyah, we said as soon as possible. And this ends up being as soon as possible. Yeah. How many suitcases are you allowed? Two each. So we're allowed 100 pounds of luggage each. Um, We're hoping to do less because, as I said, we're going to New York for a few days before. uh, Because we're leaving from JFK. So we figured we would check out, you know, 770 and... Um, Crown Heights. Crown Heights. Wow. So have you you never been to there before the Ohel or the Eastern Park? Never. No. We want so to that's actually a very important step for you guys to to do that. That's very meaningful, I imagine. Well, our um, our journey, uh, if you if you want to consider it that, um, as, as we spoke about last time, has sort of been both a journey in in our professional life and in our social life and our relationship, as well as a, a journey in our Judaism. And um, we were sort of brought back into the fold by Chabad because of their outreach. And not only that, I mean, on the island, it was hard to be Jewish. I'm not going to lie. It was hard. It was impossible to keep kosher properly. Um, it was hard to find the clothes. And today we actually had a meeting with um, one of the Olim advisors as to which school we're going to register them in um, in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. I was going to say that. Yeah. Where are you going to be? Where are you staying? It's a little bit of a suburb of Jerusalem. So the uh, the the Baca region, uh, Baca was one of the uh, regions that were under Israeli control uh, before 1967. So it's it's very much um, it's got the largest uh, ulpan in Jerusalem. Uh, the majority of the people living there are religious, but there is a, a fair mix. Forty percent of the people that live there are under the age of 21. So it's got a lot of young families, a lot of Olim from um, English-speaking countries and French-speaking countries. Very fortunate to get in uh, because when we initially wanted to move to Jerusalem, we had looked into the Baca um, Katamangim region, but we were told by people that live there that because it is so in demand, it could be fairly pricey. And a lot of apartments there do start around 12 to 14,000 shekels a month, which is reasonable for there. Um, it's got significant Chabad support in, in Baca, which is really wonderful for us. And it really kind of shows Israel is very much about how you, you know, who you know, um, yeah. because we, Baca is not, not a cheap area to find. 
but we have friends living in Jerusalem who are also through the Chabad, and they're like, uh, you know, we'll we'll find you a place. Avram, is there anything you're going to miss about moving from Canada to Israel? Yes. Everybody here. <laughs> who would that be? It's not going to be coming immediately. Have you been studying to speak Hebrew at all? Yes. No, but I have some my favorite word in Hebrew. What's your favorite word in Hebrew? Please, but I like these. Like my... Gavina. Yeah. I knew it was something right Boogie up. Yeah, well, that's what I need to ask you. Okay, so in, in Victoria, you ran a bakery, kosher bakery. Mm -hmm. And did you guys close up and sell? July, my mom got very, very sick. And uh, we were already considering making Aliyah. We had hoped to build up the business a little bit more for a couple of months and then sell. But she got the cancer diagnosis and there was no one here to take care of her. So we, we sold for what we could get and we came. So is it still open? Other people running it? No. I'm so sorry to hear that. There's a lot of things that I could say about that. I, I want us to remain as neutral as possible. But it's not an idea that will fly in Victoria. I wouldn't have asked anyone else to do it. Are you going to do the same thing in Israel? Like, how are you going to make a living? What's your plans? Or do you know yet? Likely not. Opening businesses is always an option. So, Moshe, you're going to be doing what when you get there? I haven't even actually given, like, had the time to talk to you about it yet. Mm -hmm. um, oh. But I'll be working at Muffin Boutique. Oh, that's good. <laughs> um, and, and they want to meet you. That's they're, good. They're big fans. So, yes, our Ole advisor put us in touch with two Montrealers who have a bakery and a catering business there. And so you're not going to be doing like uh, going to a Colel, studying to be a rabbi, things like that. You're going to stay in the business world a bit. My, my life's journey, is, as you know, Ellen, is, has sort of been to try and find my, my own religious affiliation. I think that um, the more I get into it, uh, the more I would like to pursue something even further. If it's feasible, I, I wouldn't be opposed to going into, uh, you know, rabbinical uh, studies. I mean, I have the hat and 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 the black jacket. <laughs> so everyone sees the hat, and I say, "Oh, Chabad." <laughs> Tell me about the fact that you guys are moving to Israel now. I know you could not have imagined that this would be the Israel you're moving to uh, when you uh, first made right. the Aliyah. What, how have you how have you come to terms with that? This is an interesting evolution. So as you know, we started Aliyah before the war. And when the war broke out, everybody looked at us and said, of course, naturally, you're going to stay in Montreal now, right? Like, this isn't going to be a thing anymore. And we looked at them and we said, no, like, it doesn't really change our plans. In fact, it, it kind of knocked down a couple of walls that were left for us because they're interested in having Ole, they're interested in having uh, volunteers. I, I think it expedited things a bit. And also housing is becoming cheaper mm -hmm. because of everybody who's been drafted and everybody who's unfortunately passed and people who are moving back to North America. But you're not going to have to serve. And of course, Moshe's not going to have to serve because of the age issues. But you'll be in a country that's traumatized. I wonder if that is weighing on you. I have a lot of thoughts on this. <laughs> The trauma is in us, especially Ashkenazi Jews after, you know, everything that happened in Europe 90 years ago. Sinner and Ashkenazi were born with it. So to say that Israel is a place of traumatized people, absolutely. But it's not because of today. It's not because of this. This is just a, another event in a long history of trauma. My second thought on this is that people are going, oh, it's not safe. Oh, it's not this. Oh, it's not that. Israel in its current incarnation is only about 80 to 90 years old. It's, it's a young country. Considering how young it is, they've done amazingly well. But it's like the Wild West. Come to America 400 years ago. And you wouldn't say that it's 
the safest as it is now. You have to be a certain type of person to want to go to a developing area like that. You have to be a certain type of person who's not afraid of challenges and not afraid of work and not afraid of doing crazy things, let's be honest. Uh, but we're not the only ones who are feeling this way. North America is not necessarily very friendly to Jews right now. You have a city councillor in Victoria who is blatantly anti-Semitic and they're not doing yeah. anything about her. Yeah, councillor uh, Kim. And, and that is symbolic, I think, Jews... That that do live in uh, in in the Gallus and in, in the in the exile, because we we have been for false sense of security thousands of years at you know at at, at it, given a false sense of security because we have to live amongst people that are that are not our our own people and for the most part it it's sort of been a bit of a love hate relationship until October seventh that was absolutely Canadian now I walk down the street and I'm a Jew and I feel it I mean it really depends on your upbringing as as you know, I, I went to a private Hebrew day school, so you could say that the persecution was baked into my, my psyche, um, whereas other people that, that are in Montreal or that are in other parts of, of the world outside of Israel, um, it, it's not so for them because they've lived amongst um, non-Jews, they've been friends with non-Jews, their children play with non-Jews. They're Jewish, but it's mostly just sort of incidentally. Um, whereas I experienced my first, um, you know, anti-Semitic um, discrimination when I was in kindergarten, and I and I went to a school that that would regularly get vandalized um, with swastikas and stuff. So that that is kind of where where it's always been for me. And unfortunately, when you live in exile, because because when I was when I was um, very little, my grandparents would say, "Why would we ever go to Israel? We have a." A thriving business in in Montreal, where we're doing well here, whereas in Israel, um, you know, you could get bombed tomorrow. And I think the mentality that Leah and I have, and and that we sort of put in in our kids, is that that is actually a, a reason to go, not a reason to to stay. Because when October seventh happened, and a lot of you know our our colleagues and acquaintances and friends were like, "This is terrible. This is horrible. I'm so glad we're we're safe." I said no. We're we're not safe because now all those people that we played with, um, that that we were friends with, that we worked with, that were our coworkers, our neighbors, those are people that look at us. We're no longer just Moshe and Leia. We're 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 now those Jews, and um, whether or not you you want to hide it, I I don't really want to live in a society where if things do happen, we are around people that that don't really have any connection to us if we're like if if terrorists were to attack the cavendish mall or like they they shot uh, at the yeshiva gadola on saint kevin street in in uh, in van near van horn and the city didn't really know what to do with it at concordia um there's now been two uh instances of serious anti-semitic violence and the the school not only can't do anything about it, they don't really even want to. And that is the reality in Montreal, where if you are visibly Jewish, you're not safe. No. At all. One of the only kosher um, pizza places in Montreal, Pizza Pita. You know, after October 7th, the, the, there's actually a guard that stands outside um, yeah. there now. Because there has to be. Well, you'll have that in Israel. You'll be used to it. Well, and that's exactly the, the problem. That, that doesn't make us feel threatened. That makes us feel safe. I know that a lot of people from North America, because they're not used to it, will feel threatened. 
you know, you have to carry your biometric ID card. You have to, you know, let them search your bag before you go into the mall. Yeah. You you have the up you know the option sometimes of being stopped by the police or at a checkpoint if you want to go into certain areas. There's certain places in the West Bank um, that we're not even allowed to go in. Um, right. Both for people. No, like, that's that's their yeah. Like I want to go to uh, I want to go to Hebron. I want to I want to see the the you know the the, the Marpella. and I I've been told by people that you know maybe maybe don't. Do you have family or relatives in Israel? Like, are you going cold with nobody there, just friends? We have friends, and Moshe has some family there. We're basically the trailblazer. We are the ones who are landing there. Anyone else in our family who wants to come, that's the. We have people in our family who are, you know, who are saying, well, you know, go and, and we'll we'll follow you and see how it goes. So there's only two, the two kids are going, the older child is staying in Canada, right? She's actually still in BC, so she's not even here in Montreal. We give Ali the option. She she's made her life. She's a manager, you know, at her job, and she she has a car. She gets herself around. Basically, an adult, so it's her choice. Yeah. We wish you only the best, only good things. We'll keep in touch with you. Thank and- you, Ella. Laurence Ita landed in Israel November the 29th. She was born in Canada to an Israeli mother and a Moroccan father. She worked as an English teacher in Montreal before she made Aliyah. Now she's in Netanya, where her two older sisters already live, and she hopes her parents will join them soon. Watching what's going on in Israel, uh, of course, as everybody has been, and you're moving to Israel right in the middle of it. How have you been navigating that in your mind? You know, I, I was when it all broke out, it was the day before I was supposed to leave. So I was, first I was nervous for my family, for my, I, not only I have my sisters, I have my cousins, I have my aunts and uncles there. So I, of course it was just scary. A lot of times people are telling me, oh, are you sure you're, you want to go? Or how can you go there when there's war? And I said, if I'm going to be living there for the rest of my life, like how can I say, oh, I'm not going to go if because there's war, you know? Then I don't deserve to be there. I don't deserve to be a citizen if I'm not going to be there when there's the hard times or when there's a war because no matter what if I'm going I'm going to be an Israeli citizen right so I'm going to be there regardless if there's war or no war I told like my mom she's like are you sure maybe you should wait a month more or an extra month and I told her I'm sure I'm ready I want to be with my sisters I feel safe when I'm there I feel at home with everyone else now in Montreal there's so much anti-semitism and I don't, I don't feel safe. I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel safe. I, when someone tells me, oh, like, what's your nationality? What's your religion? I'm not going to ever hide it. But as soon as you say Jewish, you see it. You see it in their eyes. You see it, like, right away. They're judging you. There's discrimination right away. So I am ready to go to Israel. I'm ready to be with my people and, you know, to feel comfortable, to not feel ashamed or, like, no, I don't feel ashamed, but, you know, like, it comes now with, like, there's a stigma now to, you're Jewish, and it's like, oh, you know, right away there's a comment or there's something, because everyone here now is, I feel, it's a lot of racism and a lot of anti-Semitism, so. Which for Israelis is, like, mind-boggling that they, they can't really, they think that it's really bad here, and we're worried about what's happening in Israel, right? Yeah, my sisters are like, oh my God, did, are, are you driving in Montreal? There's a riot. And I'm like, you guys are going through bombings every hour and you're asking us if we're okay. Like, of course we're okay. But they're like, it's crazy. It is crazy. You, at Concordia, like, I was grateful. I'm like, thank God I'm not at Concordia because 
I, I wouldn't be able to go through that. Like people in my face screaming at me. And so I would, and I don't want to fight about, about something like, about something like that because I'm not, I'm not for war and I'm not for people losing lives. And I have, I know people personally that have family in Gaza and they died and it's extremely sad. And I'm on both ends. It's extremely sad, but now they, they don't, they don't want to talk to me because I'm Jewish. So, you know, it, what, it do, you, what do you mean by that? So you have Palestinian or friends that have relatives in Gaza that were killed in the war. So it's my friend's friend. And when the war, right before I was supposed to move, I was there and there were a lot of comments being thrown um, back to back, you know, uh, like you should be ashamed. You guys are killing people and, and things like that. So it's always one sided, you know, it's they don't want to see it from both sides. So that's why I was thinking, I'm like, I'm glad I graduated because I would have been going through that. And it's I have friends that were that were in school. And they they were trying to navigate the way out of the, out of there because it was like they were they were blocking the doors they were blocking the path they were screaming in their faces. Yeah. I've I've dealt with this like even I'm a teacher and uh, when there was uh, there was like the war a few years ago I, and I was working at a school uh, I experienced a lot of anti-Semitism and they didn't even know I was Jewish and uh, it was it was crazy. What so, kind of uh, what kind of uh, age group were you teaching at? A high school. Yes, uh, English as a second language, and I taught elementary and high school. But it the anti-Semitism was in high school because they're older, um, a lot of Palestinian kids, a lot of Algerian and Lebanese kids. So um, they they grew up, you know, with a lot of hatred and a lot of um, so for them like the Israel state does not exist. Uh, we had we read texts that would say Israel, and they would purposely say Palestine, or they would ignore the word. Um, they would refuse to read the text. So I've, I've experienced this. And these weren't texts that I chose. These were texts that were chosen by the school and that they would f- refuse to read. Hmm. So this is every day. This is, this, is why, this is one thing that really led me to really want to go to Israel because I don't like experiencing this. And it, it, it makes me really sad, honestly. So what is it that you hope you'll do in Israel? Have you got any uh, leads on what kind of career you would like to do? Um, my sisters and I have been discussing opening a business together because we really want to work together. Uh, but my main goal, I told them I really need to focus. I really want to integrate properly. So I really want to learn the language and take my, my courses seriously. And I tutor as well. So I will tutor on the side while I do that. And then we can hopefully launch, um, the business in the meantime as well. And I don't know. I mean, it's none of my business, but do you have like a per, like a romantic partner, a partner, and are you leaving them behind, or how is that going? I'm allowed to ask you. I'm a Jewish mother. I'm allowed. Yeah, it's funny. A lot of people ask me that, and I wasn't planning on it, and I hadn't dated for a long time. And right before leaving, I had like a few months before leaving, I had met a Jewish man and fell deeply. But I was supposed to leave in October, so we had said our goodbyes like twice because I had a flight and then another flight, and they were both canceled. Um, so we got like a few chances to say goodbye. And, but we, you know, we ended things amicably because we know, you know, it won't, it won't be able to, um, you never know. Exactly. For now, no, but, uh, does your faith have anything to do with why you wanted to move to Israel at all? Or it's more for political, cultural reasons? So I, we grew up in a more traditional household. Like we do all the holidays, we eat kosher, um, but we're not really religious. We go to the synagogue, but I don't keep Shabbat. And um, 
you know, like religion is important for me, but I'm not a really religious person. Um, but when I go to Israel, I just feel at home. Like I, I don't know how to explain that. It's just, you feel like everyone understands you. You don't have to explain yourself. You don't, you know, when, when you're with your family, it's just like, you're always with your family. That's what it feels like. I always felt more comfortable there. I always felt at home. And I just don't feel that here. It's been years I haven't felt that. And I, people don't understand. It's really hard to explain to other people. But when I go to Israel, I'm at home. I'm at peace. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, the first one of 2024. Now, the Israeli government's Nefesh Benefesh organization, which handles Aliyah from North America, says about 3,000 Canadians and Americans made Aliyah last year. There was a sharp drop because of October 7th, partly also because so many airlines have stopped flying to Israel. But the organization says interest in moving has more than doubled. Nefesh Benefesh announced that thousands of people from North America have asked for applications. And the reason they're giving is overwhelmingly because of Zionism. And only a few are moving because of anti-Semitism. That's our show for today. Thanks for listening to the CJN Daily.